So we'd like to uh, welcome Sean Winner to the show. Sean, what's up, brother? How you doing? Thanks for having me. I'm honored. Great, man. Now, listen, you're a lot warmer than I, right? Yes. I'm in Orlando, Florida. Bastard. Bastard. Yes. Born and raised, one out of about a hundred. They actually have a tattoo on the back of my neck to keep track. Really? Yeah. Oh yeah. It doesn't yeah, look like it doesn't look like a barcode, does it? No. <laughs> no. We we have a lot of transplants here in Orlando, yes, and I love it. I love I love do. the mix of individuals that are here. I was, Born and raised, I, I absolutely love it here. I was 25 years in South Florida, so I totally get that kind of odd mix that happens in uh, in Florida. But it's pretty dynamic for sure. It really is. All right. For listeners to the show who haven't heard your name, I say shame on you. <laughs> <laughs> means you haven't been keeping up with the time because Sean Wenner is uh, – uh, he's the editor and publisher of Entrepreneurial Chef Magazine. He's a full-time entrepreneur and a husband and father. So we're going to get into uh, a couple of those issues a little bit later. But first, uh, I just wanted to say thanks very much for being here, man. I, I can only imagine how busy you are. Given the quality of that particular publication, I was blown away when I received my first, uh, uh, my first copy. So, um, why don't you give us a little bit of background and, and we'll jump right into it. Yeah. So for me personally, I've got a bit of an eclectic background. I grew up doing martial arts actually at a very young age, all the way up into teens and then even early twenties. I, had a passion for the music industry. I was a bit of an entrepreneur in the music industry. And it was 2005 that I had an opportunity to start at a culinary school. It was actually Le Cordon Bleu. And I stayed with them for close to 10 years, almost a decade, and fell in love with culinary arts, the industry, the individuals, the passion that was displayed. I bobbed and weaved in and out of the classes for almost 10 years and befriended a lot of chefs and I just, as I said, fell in love with it. So, so that led me to launching now Entrepreneurial Chef this year. So what were the what were the commonalities between your experience as an educator? I would have thought that, you know, okay, I'm done with that portion of my career, now on to something else. But what was it about maybe the, the people that that haunted your your world that said that spoke to you and said, Well, this is probably something I want to continue diving into and maybe a magazine might be a great idea. Yeah, so me at my core, I love helping people. I love expanding individuals' thoughts and perspective and, and helping people live good lives, whether personally or professionally. I just love it. And in culinary education, I had the ability to do that to some degree uh, on a very narrow, with a very narrow focus. And there was one thing that I noticed with culinary education that upset me, and it was more systemic and societal. And that was culinary education primarily prepares individuals to work on a line. Mm -hmm. Yet culinary students would enter school and they wanted to do everything else but work on the line. <laughs> they, want, they, they wanted to have the restaurant. They wanted to be a celebrity chef, a TV show. They, they, they wanted a business of sorts or work in fine dining you know, there were some that wanted to work in like fine dining establishments or for other chefs, but a lot of them wanted to have a business of sorts and they wanted to be an entrepreneur. Yet the education primarily prepared them to jump on the line. So there was this big disconnect that I saw 
And it was a big rub with me for many years. I tried to educate students as much as possible prior to starting, and I coached team members to do so prior to them starting. But some of them, they just had this vision. I'm going to be a celebrity chef as soon as I get out, and you can't stop them. So in January, when Le Cordon Bleu Colleges were closing down or deciding that they were closing down, I sat back and had the opportunity, thankfully, to choose what I wanted to do. I didn't have to jump into a job. I didn't have to go into something else. And so I sat back and gave it a long, uh, thought about it long and hard, talked with my wife. And I said, I wanted to build something that was going to help people and was going to help that problem that I saw in the industry. And that was the idea of creating Entrepreneurial Chef. And it was more so a platform in general, not even a magazine at the beginning, that was going to be a resource for business fundamentals and entrepreneurship for culinary entrepreneurs. Is the magazine uh, – uh, what's the demographic that you envisioned for the magazine and what have you seen as it's it, as it's kind of blossomed? Because um, you're one of the only publications that I know of, online publications, that actually uses a, a subscription model, right? Yeah. Yeah. So here's the funny thing. Initially, when I had the idea of Entrepreneurial Chef and this platform – a magazine was nowhere in sight. It wasn't even a thought, not even an iota, a speckle. And it was after about a month, a month and a half of having the website live that I was sitting on the couch one night. I looked over at my wife and I said to her, I wonder if individuals would like all of this information packaged up in a magazine. That's where the idea of a magazine came from. Seven days later, put together a PDF, slapped together some graphics, put up a landing page, and literally put it out for everyone to see. And in a period of about six weeks, I want to say there was a, a little over a 1,000 downloads of that first issue. And I wasn't convinced yet. Uh, I, I like to assume that I know nothing and test things. I actually got that quote from somebody else that uh, we, we can maybe talk about in the future, but I love that mentality. So I tested again with another issue. I tested again with a third issue. And it was at that point that I created an app and went full force with kind of scaling the magazine, if you will. So the demographic, what I've seen now is both aspiring entrepreneurs and then individuals that are seasoned veterans that are trying to pick up tips on how to scale. The initial audience that I was going after for entrepreneurial chef in general was the culinary age, the, the culinary students so that they have business fundamentals and entrepreneurship lessons from others so that they can launch a venture. And number two, it was chefs that might be aging out of the kitchen that have the ability or have the experience that they can monetize in some way, shape, form, and fashion outside of being in the kitchen. So I wanted to bring real ways for individuals to be able to monetize their experience and, and, and pull a bunch of people together. That's an interesting aspect that you bring up, this uh, aging out of the kitchen. I mean, uh, you know, any kitchen dog out there will tell you that it's a rough life and it wreaks havoc on a body, sometimes on a mind and a spirit. And I think the perception is, especially with young ones coming in, um, I've known some folks that I've mentored that, uh, mentored that said that, you know, this was going to be their entire life. And that kind of scared me a little bit because it's almost like a professional athlete you know, they all realize that there's X amount of years that they can physically do it, but they never consider about what's going to happen after. And I think the millennials have been kind of uh, pushing out on this 
on this idea that you had to have a nine to five job. You had to work for a company. You had to make sure that you got a paycheck. I mean, with the boom of food trucks and just as an example of an entrepreneurial venture, but there's a whole world out there for folks who want to be personal chefs, who want to run small businesses and where else can they get that kind of information? I mean, certain rules and theories around entrepreneurship you know, other than other than a rabid or an avid reader, there's really not that many resources out there that someone can grab and really kind of hold on to. Is there? Correct. And that's what I found when I was doing research and putting together a business plan as it relates to entrepreneurial chef and the platform and and all of that. I, I found that there wasn't a lot of places and that the publications focus on a lot of recipes, food and whether it's cooking or baking. And I will say rightfully so, because that's the foundation of what happens in the culinary industry. Right, you don't absolutely. have a culinary hospitality industry without knowing how to cook or bake, but that's not where it ends. And that was the rub that I had with culinary education and students that had these degrees is that they focus so much on these techniques and proficiencies, again, rightfully so. But then there's a whole other realm that you need to understand and learn in order to run a successful business. So For in my sure. research, I, I didn't see a lot of places that were focusing heavily, heavily focusing on business fundamentals, entrepreneurship in general, and in even profiling successful culinary entrepreneurs for them to share their story, their lessons, their insights, their instructions, their how to, their advice, mm -hmm. all of the above for other people to model. Yeah. I love the way that you, um, format or format the interviews with, people like Eric Levine and others then where you're asking specific questions about, you know, what's the greatest lesson you learned and what do you wish someone had told you before going in and those kind of things that I think were really, really powerful. Um, mm. Do you think it was, or do you think it's a function of the business model or for for-profit culinary education that there really isn't any room for some of those softer skills? You know, that's a good question. I, I have seen, I think it's now called the Food Business School that opened. I believe that's a branch of CIA, and they're focusing on entrepreneurship more so. There cool. are classes in for-profit or even not-for-profit uh, culinary degrees. There are classes and courses that are centered around business and entrepreneur uh, kind of principles, if you will. The problem that I see, and this was similar to me back when I go into the music industry, the problem I see is more so on the individuals, the students themselves. They are typically a creative type individual, and a creative type individual wants to create. They So this, the students, they want to cook. They want to bake. They don't want to do accounting. They don't want to talk about marketing strategy. So so the the, the problem that I see and that I saw was – you can throw all of these business classes at them in culinary education, but the interest is not going right. to be there. Right. So, so what I, what I, what, what I am trying to do is I'm trying to make business and entrepreneurship as it relates to the culinary industry very attractive and profile successful culinary entrepreneurs so that these younger students or individuals that are entering in the, the culinary industry, they can look at them and it's almost like they're going to really accept what they're saying more so than if it was a class, a, sure. a class that they're going to get an education. So I don't necessarily see that there's a problem or that it's a problem with education in the sense that they're not 
really promoting business and entrepreneurship. I think it's more the types of individuals that are going in and the focus that they have at that time. Yeah, that's, that's interesting. Uh, when you're talking about like creative types, because very often, and this is not a knock against creative types, cause I consider myself one. And usually when someone's creative in one area, they can actually be creative in other areas, you know, whether you're a writer or a painter or whatever. But when you put all your focus into like, no, I'm going to create now in food, um, that the rest of the business goes by the wayside. I had a conversation with a friend, uh, went to his wedding in Indianapolis and he's getting asked to, He's made himself, or not Indianapolis, but somewhere in Indiana, and he's made quite a name for himself in this town and now is getting these offers to kind of take over restaurants. And he called me up and was like, chef, can you help me out, man? Because like, I don't know shit about running a business. <laughs> but then, you know, if you're producing relevant content and you're positioning it in such a way in the marketplace that it's easy to find, then then it's a pretty great resource because it's almost like, uh, as the need arises, so the teacher shall appear. So, yeah. um, what kind of, uh, when you say that you were into, um, martial arts, what did you do primarily? What discipline? I, I did Ishinru karate, actually. I did that for many years, went up to a second degree black belt. And then after Ishinru karate, uh, actually, after the foundation of Ishinru karate, our instructor started opening up opening our eyes to other styles and disciplines. So we did everything from standard boxing to uh, jiu-jitsu and then uh, hapkido. I mean, just a lot of different styles as we evolved with our instructor. And then I jumped out for quite a few years, and I want to say it was early 20s. I jumped back in, started training with individuals down in Florida, and that's when I realized I had a herniated disc, a bulging disc, and a benign tumor in my back. <laughs> so right on. I, yeah, yeah, I, <laughs> I, I ended up, I ended up suffering an injury and I couldn't, I couldn't shake this injury for almost a month. And I finally went to the doctor and they, they told me the news and there's a couple of different options. I could have maybe had some surgery and, and, and continued on doing some of that hardcore training and maybe trying to position to uh, try and do some tournaments and stuff again. But I, I proverbially tapped out and said, nah, it, it's my, it's my time. It's my time. Yeah. Well, the, now, now, but, but I, I do want to say this, jumping back to the creatives, cause you mentioned, I, I definitely consider myself a creative too. And one thing that I even noticed with me when uh, me as a hardcore creative trying to build this resource and turn it into a business, if you will, sometimes I, I've got to set reminders to work on non-creative tasks absolutely. because I just get, I get wrapped up into maybe designing something yep. and, and pouring my heart and soul into it. And then, and then now I, I'm not necessarily working on the business or scaling the reach and, and trying to get into in front of more people. And I think a lot of creatives face that challenge. Yeah. Um, I've had to learn that, uh, although I've always been kind of like one of the creative forces that I've been able to wield is around systems and organization. But even sometimes I become my own worst enemy because, uh, kind of like a vision in my mind is there's this vortex that opens up in front of me, a creative vortex, you know, and I'm chasing something down the hole and <laughs> you get all the way down in there and it's like, okay, now how the hell do I get back? Out? Murder with no killing, ill in every direction First, no secret to the math, no evil 
with no yoke, the more power, less people and no. I'm not afraid of that, printed in your paperback. Every rap is made back to act sudden late attack. Every phrase a razor blade to say to tell the player back, slay him, leave him laying on a paper bag, fade black. The reason I the reason I wanted to focus momentarily on uh, the martial arts is that uh, what anger and stress are one of the things that we uh, deal with a lot in our industry. Whether um, whether we're looking whether our perspective is correct or not, there's plenty of opportunity for stress and um, anger, out abject anger. Uh, and I was talking to a coach of mine not too long ago, and I still smoke cigarettes and she told me that uh that cigarettes were actually a a manner in which to deal with suppressed anger and of course i got angry at her and told her she was full of shit <laughs> but her naturally, her, naturally naturally like you tell me like you know freedom seeker like fuck you you're not gonna tell me what to do oh, yeah. and uh but she suggested that i take up some type of martial art and so i wanted to kind of bounce it back to you and say do you did you recognize as a practitioner of martial arts that it might be a discipline that maybe somebody might want to take up as a way of kind of integrating anger with their way of being instead of like having it be something scary about them 
Without a doubt, 100%. And, and I will say, I've never stopped training to this day as it relates to martial arts. I, I'm a member of a local kickboxing and boxing gym where I go. I don't, I don't train to potentially jump in the ring anymore right. or anything of that nature. But the clarity that I get after a good workout, the discipline that comes along with it, the ability to control your thoughts and, and, and have more control over a lot of areas of your life, it comes with practicing something, some sort of discipline. In a discipline, I mean more so some sort of martial arts, some version of it. Right. So I, I absolutely recommend it to so many people that they get into it. Yeah, I'm uh, I'm actually looking at a keto right now. I know, uh, yeah. you know, I, I got I have a few pounds that I get to to shed in the process, but yeah, absolutely. <laughs> it, it, you know, and it's there, there's camaraderie that comes along with it. There's there's, there's, uh, you, you have almost an instant community and this sense of belonging that comes along with it that you don't anticipate when you're going into it that right. you find afterwards, which does wonders for your mental state. A lot of anger, a lot of frustration comes for a couple of different reasons. You could have money, you could have a disconnection between family members mm -hmm. or friends, or you could have a lack of community. You don't feel like you belong to anything. So being involved in something of that nature, it really brings out a sense of camaraderie, a community that you can get involved with. Yeah, that's one of the things that I continually tumble up against is this aspect of the community of a certain group within the culinary industry who like to identify themselves as kitchen dogs or, uh, you know, pirates or like it's almost like the island of misfit toys. At least, you know, if you don't belong anywhere, at least you belong here. And so there's this communion that happens. However, very often since there is, there isn't a whole lot of healthy ways to deal with stress. Um, you know, everybody goes to hell in a handbasket and one's pushing the other one down, you know, and not down, but it's like, it's hard to pull out of that, especially when it's day in and day out, day in and day out. That's why I wholly advocate any type of other practice, uh, especially body work that will take you out of that circumstance and put you in a space where you get to energize and it's almost like um, sharpening the knife, you know, as you learn and start a practice in something else, what it does is it ends up coming back around to, to make you sharper. It's almost like I was reading, there was a Harvard study uh, that was just released that, um, that advocated that, you know, one of the other aspects of being a, being a great, cook or chef is that you can continue to grind just grind it out man just grind it out yet what they're finding is the way the way to access mental toughness is to take time sure absolutely so that you can come back to it with even more focus do you find and since you have a history of being an entrepreneur and also an ex a very creative person that can kind of like go haul hog in in one particular area do you find that you need to take time to recharge 100% yes. And, and I have, I have a, I, I call it a fatal flaw that <laughs> when I, when I put my sights on something, I swear I'm like a pit bull. I will not right. let go. And I, I, I'm so stubborn. I'm a Capricorn if you believe in the signs, but I'm so stubborn. I go after something and I will not stop. I, if I have to work 18, 19, 20 hours a day, I will not stop. And I have to remind myself, it's almost like I have to leave little breadcrumb tra trails mm -hmm. that, that, that say, Hey, by the way, make sure that you remember what 
this this big epiphany you had when you were X age or during whatever time that told you and proved to you that by taking time, you become even that much more um, creative. You get more done. So yeah, I'm I'm such a proponent of taking some time and kind of reflecting on things. You've got to pull yourself out of the thick of it because you can't see the forest for the trees sometimes when you're in that right. in the thick of it. Right. And you know, I like one of my favorite phrases is you know that the only problem with being a hammer is that everything looks like nails. And yes. some, and sometimes you know that nail may be your child or your loved one and. Maybe they're not necessarily deserving of that type of focus. I'm not talking about you, but mm-hmm. anybody who's, you know, in the kitchen life. Can you talk a little bit about an epiphany you had at one point when you like, oh, holy shit, man, I better take a step back. You know, you and I have had some discussions prior to this conversation mm-hmm. here and without going into too much detail, I've had situations in my life where death was looming and it was whether it was family or whether it was very close friends and whether they passed away or they were close to passing away. And so I've had several situations over the past five, seven years that have really allowed me to put things in perspective. And I think today I live a lot more purposefully, uh, passionately, I'm more grateful for all the opportunities because of those situations that happen. So I won't name a single one, but, but sure. when, when your world gets rocked because you have a, a very extreme situation happens and, and now your world gets flipped upside down, it, it really puts things in perspective. And I've had several situations like that over the years that really calibrated me and it made me realize the day-to-day sometimes is not so important. It doesn't have as much gravity as you make it appear. <laughs> it's, it, it's just not. Yeah. I mean, you know, it, it, it really isn't. If you if you get shot today and you're laid up in a hospital and you're you're about to, you know, you're on that line of I'm critically injured or I'm going to be getting better here soon, and you're just not sure which way the wind is going to blow. I guarantee you paying your mortgage by tomorrow is not going to be a thought in your mind. And mm-hmm. sure, you need to pay your mortgage, you need to have a house, but right. it's just an example. It really puts things in perspective. I uh, had a conversation uh, with my girlfriend, Jennifer, just the other day about, you know, all the, uh, perceptively all the things that I had lined up that I still had to do and that, you know, I should have stayed up later and continued to work and da, 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 da. And by the way, I still haven't gone out and, and done any, uh, Christmas shopping, uh, cause we're in the Christmas season. This is when it's being recorded. Uh, and, um, wait a minute. It's Christmas almost, man. <laughs> <laughs> but I was like, I was like going on and on and on. And one thing leads to another. And oh my God, I don't, don't really have enough money. And ta, 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 ta. And she looks at me and she's like, those, those are not problems. Like get real. What, you know, mm-hmm. problem is, you know, a significant life change, you know, someone leaving you or a divorce or, you know, God forbid some type of health issue. And I'm like, yeah. I get that. But as a bulldog, you know, you just keep wanting to go and go and go and go and go. And so you're a, you're a brand new father, correct? Yes, I am. Eight weeks now. Yeah. So how's, yes. so how's that? How's the bulldog getting along with being a young father? You know, I will tell you this. I've had conversations with my wife. When I thought about having kids right now, a kid, um, <laughs> I had no concept of what it would take to care for a newborn. Mm. And so what rocked my world 
is the amount of attention and the energy that it takes to oh. care for a newborn. Yeah, when, when I, whenever I thought of kids, I thought of the toddler, the, the two-year-old, the three-year-old, the, the five-year-old, you know, and then, and then up into the teenager, I never had a concept of newborn. So it has rocked my world between both my wife and I, but it is one of the most incredible experiences, if not the most incredible experience that I've gone through. And over an eight week period, I felt myself change as an individual, as a man. And it's, it's just absolutely incredible. It's, it's, it's almost, I mean, it's almost magical and miracle. I mean, all those things. And then I had to put away all childish things. (laughs) (laughs) My favorite time was uh, when my kids were, and I have three of them, but you know, when each of them were around between like three and five, that was like my most favorite time, you know, cause you can tell tall tales and they get, you know, they tell tall tales too. And it's like incredibly fascinating time. And that's, uh, very fond memories and man, fuck, does it go fast? So <laughs> we, we, we keep hearing that. We keep hearing that. Uh, I'm not, I'm not trying to tell you, but, uh, I just, I, I'm like, I, I still am shocked, you know, how, how quickly it goes. Um, yeah. So for Entrepreneurial Chef Magazine, what is your what's your vision as far as how far you can take it? It's 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 grandiose, but for the magazine itself, I'd like to have I mean, if you name any individual in the industry that other people look up to, I want every single one of those individuals to interview with entrepreneurial chef, uh, and then even down to uh, entrepreneurs that are just starting out. I want to have a, a major circulation. I want this to be a very, very heavy resource for the industry in terms of where to find business fundamentals, entrepreneurial lessons, insights to get inspiration. I mean, you wrote a great article for the, you, one of the last Thanks. issues that was with it was great. So uh, I have a vision of this being a, a a very big resource for individuals that's going to help people. And so how many people are on your team? All right. You ready for this? <laughs> <laughs> so uh, up until last month for almost this whole year, 99.9% of everything was me, yeah. me right, right here in the home office doing this. So now over the past month, I brought on a designer that helps with, creating the magazine. I still do some of it and we worked in tandem. I've got now about 12 to 15 individuals that are very interested in what I'm doing that said that they want to work together in some form or some capacity. So they're sending everything from either articles or helping to promote. Uh, most recently over the past three weeks, I have three people that really wanted to get involved and they want to be brand ambassadors. And I, I tell That's them, awesome, I dude. Yeah. I tell them I, I don't, I don't have a budget for it, but they, <laughs> that, 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 that doesn't matter. There's, there's some people, a lot of people that I've come across that this, this resonates with them. What, what I'm trying to do really resonates with them. And, and a lot of it are individuals that, that they believe if they would have had a resource like this, 10 or 15 or 20 years ago that it might have not might have, but it would have helped them in their trajectory. So I've had a lot, I've been very, very humble and, you know, blessed and fortunate. A lot of people have taken vested interest. So I've got quite a few people now that are involved, but the bulk of it right now is, is, as I said, me, me in this home office here. So, uh, the board in back of you, what is that? The flip chart? Is that a flip chart? Yeah. Yeah. No, that's not a flip chart. So that's, yeah, that, that's a, that's a board. So that's where I do. That's where I kind of 
get out all of the things that are in my head. I, it helps me conceptualize things and um, structure and organization. Together. Yeah, you got it. Yep, structure and organization. So I don't, so I don't spend seven hours following a creative <laughs> rabbit hole <laughs> and, and step out of the office with dark circles under my eyes. And, you, you, you get know? to you get to set the timer on your phone. Yeah, right? time to exactly get up and, right. Time to get up and stretch. Um, yeah. And I know that you and Chris Hill are pretty tight, and you guys are getting ready to, or you've just launched a podcast. Getting ready to, yes. We've recorded two episodes right now. We're about to record a third episode, so we're going to get a couple of going. We wanted to iron out a few things, and then we're going to launch that. And yeah, is it, make, go ahead. I'm sorry. Yes, yeah, Making the Cut podcast. Making the Cut podcast based off uh, Chris's first book, Making the Cut. He's getting ready to uh, – I know he's working on a second book, um, and I start seeing some buzz around that. And also you were had some small uh, influence in the redesign and rebranding of his of his site, right? Yep, absolutely. Fucking yeah, beautiful, yeah. Man. So we, we we connected, and so I put together a, a different brand identity for him, built a website for him, and just kind of really aligned a, a few things in working with him. He he had a a little bit of a a different vision than what he had already had, and so it was very easy to work with him. He was very clear and communicated what he wanted, and then we just worked in tandem over a couple of weeks and were able to kind of launch a new brand identity for him. I think that's one of the things that uh, can't be stressed enough, especially for uh, chef entrepreneurs or you know any entrepreneur, is that very often at the beginning we think that we have to do it all, and um, it can be a crushing weight to, uh, to carry. So I completely advocate... Uh, you know, finding partners, you know, and working it out. However, it's got to get paid or trade out or whatever. But there are other people out there who do um, things better than you uh, and would probably appreciate the business and the partnership. So uh, asking for help is is something that we don't do as chefs or as men often enough. So uh, I say uh, put your ego aside, ask for some help, find some professionals Obviously, Entrepreneurial Chef is an amazing resource uh, with chock full of information um, and uh, lots of rabbit holes to fall down into. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you bet. I, I appreciate you saying that. Yeah, man. I couldn't couldn't agree more, and I'm just flattered to uh, be able to assist in any small way. And um, what's the last thing you want people to know about Entrepreneurial Chef magazine? First off, where can they get it? Yeah, sure. Absolutely. Well, I will say the magazine is, it's just one leg of what right, Entrepreneur Chef is altogether. Yep. So there's a website there and the website has articles. So it has a blog and then there's a Facebook group as well. So I've got, there's probably close to 500 people that have joined the Facebook group. And so that's a place for individuals to be able to talk about business and entrepreneurship in real time, post questions to the group and get some real answers. So anybody that's interested in learning more about culinary entrepreneurship or has a business question or you're working in your business right now and you don't know how to grow it, you don't know how to scale it, ask a question. There's there's a few master chefs in there, Hall of Famers. I think Louis Perrault, Hall of Fame chefs in there, Chris Hill's in there. I mean, there's a lot of great people and they'll, they'll give some good answers. So there's the group, there's the magazine. Uh, and then what I'm working toward is to have little mini training programs, essentially little roadmaps for individuals. So if somebody wanted to learn how to brand themselves or how to to open up a food truck or whatever, 
I, right. I really want to have these little mini roadmaps that show people the step-by-step actions that they need to take to line themselves up for whatever it is. And, and, and it's not necessarily just a restaurant or a food truck, but it's how to monetize your experience in so many different ways. Because as technology evolves, there's so many more ways every single month that are opening up that you can monetize your experience. So that's ultimately where I'm going with Entrepreneurial Chef. When, when somebody thinks about it, I want them to think, if I am an individual that wants to be an entrepreneur or I am an entrepreneur and I want to be able to build and grow a business of sorts, then I need to go there, stop by, see what information is out, see if any information can help me in what I'm trying to do right now. That's what I want people to think. So if uh, I just go to facebook.com and just search for entrepreneurial chef, I'll be able to find the group and then ask to be invited. You got it. That's yep. It's fantastic. a closed group. Yeah. Closed group. So you can request to join and then entrepreneurialchef.com. That's the main website. There's also an app in app store or Google play that you can download. And we didn't previously discuss, but I'll give you a link so that any listeners can get a free annual subscription for the magazine for all of next year. That would be awesome, man. Awesome. Absolutely. So I'll give you that link. I'll create something for them so that all they have to do is sign up and then they can download the app, enter in a a username and password that they create. And now it's going to unlock all the issues, past issues and all the next issues for the next 12 months. That's great. I really appreciate that, John. That's very generous of you. And we'll have that link in the show notes for you. And I just wanted to say thanks, bro. I really appreciate you making time in your busy day. Absolutely. Thanks pleasure. for having me on. I'm, I'm, I'm honored. I'm honored. I'm a fan of what you're doing. <laughs> you're a great guy. I love it. So thank you so much. Thank you, man.